Fuck like yeah. On. Well, we're back. We're on. Back. It's wormholes. Not live. It's your normal. It's the normal. It's your normal, but video, but non live. Riggy Didge. Riggy Didge, just you and me. No one fucking around, screwing about. But we are bringing something to the family, the wormholes family that they we've been, been meaning to for, for ages now. Cheers. Uh, show your socks. Get a foot up on the show table. Show my socks as well. Get a foot <laughs> up on the table. How am I going to do Let that? The people know. All right, people. There we go. The alien the socks. The alien socks as well. as well. Look, you can even see them. It says, give me space. Now, give me here, that space, baby. Here's me just looking like a fucking alien. I don't have any, uh, I don't have any attire on. No mug, but just... Uh, you could you could imagine me in a Men in Black movie, right? Yeah, oh, fucking like oath you could. Big ginger giant. Fucking oath. Fucking oath. So, yes, we're doing the aliens. We're doing it. Welcome UFO, to the conspiratorium. What number, what number conspiratorium, conspiratorium is this? Conspiratorium number four, four, I believe. Shit. Four. Only four. Yeah, I know. We've, we've been fairly tame. Yeah, we have we've been, been fairly, fairly tame. tame. Don't worry. We're going to bring out episodes five to ten next week. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. five to ten. It'll be fucking um, six so, episodes in one so week. So, we're going to do... I'll give you a bit of a rundown of what you're in for here today, right? You've, you've just sat down. You've seen that it's the UFO episode. You've probably smoked a joint. Um, and you're thinking, uh, what am I in for? All right. So tell, tell, tell them, give them a bit of a rundown of the itinerary of ep- the itinerary. part one. Because yeah. we couldn't do this in one episode. No, nah, It's going to be a two-parter. Nah, nah. This is so definitely going to be a two-parter. So let them know what they're in for today, my friend. So we're going to be we're, we're going to start off talking about Operation Paperclip. Because I've talked to a lot of people about this and they don't know about yeah, this. Yeah. And this kind of leads really well actually into our main topic for tonight. And that's Area 51 and S4. Yep. So... Yeah, the way it le- the way it leads in is it will be super organic, and we'll also talk a little bit about um, the diglock or the the bell as yep. well, the German bell. Yeah. So where 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 do we start, my friend? Where do we start? Do we go all the way back to World War Two? Yeah, I think we should. I think we I do. Think we should. This is your this is your forte. I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you run with Operation Paperclip and lay some knowledge on me because I I didn't I'm not myself really that familiar of yeah. it. Yeah. Other than and you can obviously explain this in a bit. I don't know if you mentioned it before when you were sort of telling me, but Operation Paperclip, there's also a byproduct of that, them bringing those, um, the the scientists in, also becomes NASA as well, correct? Yes. That's yeah, a part yeah, of it. Yeah. Yep. As well as the, yeah. So we'll go we'll go through that here. I need to I need to have a look at my notes here, so that's why I'm looking down at the, the laptop. So just in case you're wondering why I'm looking down like a sad dog. Sad dog. Dog. So, sad dog. So essentially... Operation Paperclip was something that came around the end of World War One, uh, World War Two. My bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, uh, roughly around like forty-four, it says is they were saying that near the end of the war, there the Allies like pushed a whole bunch of uh, soldiers and scientists into into Germany. Uh, it was a joint British and American task force called the CIOS, established mm-hmm. in London in '44. Yep. So they 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 went into some towns in Germany and essentially uh, received or you know uh, forcibly took these documents from a Polish lab technician containing a classified list of Third Reich top scientists, and they they used that list to create a blacklist. So the idea of Operation Paperclip in general was for the Allies to steal these German scientists, bring them over to America, and essentially use their scientific knowledge to, to create their own yep. versions of some of these things that they had missed about. And so because this is the end of World War II and 
at this point in time, they've already felt like through the there's a large chunk of the war that they've felt like they've been behind the eight ball for. Definitely, correct? definitely. So they're kind of wanting to to prevent what they believe is either going to be continued conflict through to the what we know to be the end of World War Two, but at this point in time in forty four, they're still trying to figure out how the fuck they're going to topple this superpower. Yeah. They're thinking this is an operation that we can undertake to try and get them basically either take them out or bring them over to to work for us or we can interrogate them to get yeah. their ideas. Well, interestingly enough, it was because the Soviets did the same thing. Right. And they did it first. So they were taking German scientists and relocate. I think they even actually relocated like laboratories themselves. Yeah. Like they deconstructed these laboratories and they took the scientists and they took it to Moscow. Yeah. And they started like researching it. So it's yep. almost like the Americans like took that idea, but because they were on another continent, it was a lot harder for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue down, right? So in the summer of 1945, the JIOA, Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, was created. So essentially like they gained control of the rapidly expanding Nazi scientist program. Originally it was called Operation Overcast and then was renamed in 1945 to Paperclip. Yeah. So the operation came into public knowledge as well when the New York Times reported on Nazis living in America, which, which ended up causing like a massive like backlash. Oh, yeah. And I think it was not maybe not Dwight, Eisenhower, who was the president that had the first, like a first lady who was very politically outspoken? I can't think of it right now. Maybe it was his wife, but she led massive protests against it, and obviously it didn't do didn't do a whole didn't do a whole lot. But um, because they they still ended up doing it, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah. So one of the the main people that they they managed to get their hands on was a guy called Werner von Braun, who originally like back in the day was like one of the top researchers and developers of the V series rockets. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying to you earlier on how there, there's like the V one rocket and then they eventually made like the V two rocket, which was like at that point in time, incapable of being, being shot down. Yep. So like a lot of, a lot of armies and a lot of, even a lot of civilians were also like, were like very scared of, of this, this device. I guess it was kind of like, you know, they, cause they knew there was no defense against it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, essentially uh, over 1,600 scientists ended up coming to America. And um, just but, that is so insane when you think about it. Oh, dude. Isn't how it? many people that is. Yeah, dude. That's a lot of damn people, man. Yeah. Like, and these are all like the top of the top. And yeah. like, um, and the ones that survived too. Yeah. Because I don't, I, w- I wouldn't assume that being if you like if you're a German like you're a Nazi Third Reich scientist, I wouldn't assume that the American military would be carrying you away in pillows and giving yeah. you fairy floss as they're taking you away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's it's full on, but this uh, Werner von Braun right ended up becoming the primary architect behind the U.S. space program's Saturn V vehicle yeah. or rocket technology, which was like integral part of uh, the moon mission yeah. in 69. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of like what we're saying here is like setting the scene almost. So essentially when they had this 
this operation and they were successful and Werner von Braun and like a whole bunch of these other scientists came back. There was like a, a nuclear scientist as well and there was like a biochemical scientist um, that also got taken and he was, do you know sarin gas? Yeah, I think I've heard of that before. Yeah. yeah, he was the one who invented like the early version of that. Yeah, yeah. So, Isn't, is that to do with the Agent Orange? Is that that stuff as well? I'm isn't not too there, sure about there Agent a time between the Agent Orange stuff as well. Which I'm not actually orange? too sure about what Agent. I've heard of Agent Orange, yeah. but I don't know if that's the same as sarin gas. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I thought Agent Agent Orange was mustard gas, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that, but I, I'm not sure if there was a time between also that stuff happening around that time we'll have to we'll have to come back to that one yeah we're not too sure but yeah that, that essentially just like gives an idea of operation paperclip because there's not much about it yeah like in terms of like actual details yeah right so where we wanted to go next with this was talking about these german scientists and what they were developing before this and this is where you know, like this whole the whole alien and like you know secret technology aspect comes in so they were developing, well, they were supposedly developing, right, this, um, this U, essentially a UFO. It was a bell-shaped UFO that ended up being called the Diglock or Diglock. Now, it still like, remains a mystery in terms of like public disclosure and whatnot, but it was created in the latest stages of the Second World War um, between 43 and 45. So around about the same time that Paperclip was like happening as well in a secret Nazi base known as Duris. I think I'm saying that right. A lot of these names I'm probably going to fuck up. An ultra-secret experiment based located located between the Owl Mountains and the Kaziz Castle. Mm-hmm. So the base consisted of seven lavatories hidden under mountains. The base was supposedly built by forced labor supervised by men from the SS. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, Diaglock Bell, man, I wish I, I wish I could actually get photo, a photo up of it, like a little rendition of it. Yeah. Maybe I'll like try and superimpose one over yeah yep um this bell was made of an especially heavy metal and was chained to the ground it measured five meters high by three meters in diameter so it was like decent size yep. it wasn't ridiculous but decent size on the front was the nazi symbol and it had two rotating cylinders that contained a substance similar to mercury called Zerum 525 so x-e-r-u-m 525 yeah now i'd actually before doing the research for this episode i'd actually heard about mercury being spun with an electromagnetic pulse from other whistleblowers that like that don't mention anything about the dialogue mm-hmm. so it's very interesting that like you know i don't think they'd be doing it nowadays but back then that was the way you know yeah so i was saying that th- this liquid was extremely radioactive and many of the scientists who worked in the bell while it was on died of cancer so when it turned the opposite direction it gave off a violet glow yeah well, that's the whole thing with mercury, isn't it? So, like, obviously, people die of mercury poisoning. Yeah. So, if you're trying to use that as a way to com- create some sort of, like, energy, you're running a massive risk. Yeah, there's going to be some crazy-ass shit, definitely. Yep. Uh, saying the exterior of the artifact was lined with a ceramic material, which, interestingly, was the same material that ended up being on the Columbus spaceship for NASA. Yeah, right. So, this is where a lot of this shit kind of ties in where, where I wanted to start with paperclip and just yep. give it an idea. So the ceramic tiles that acted as the thermal insulator uh, were in the original plans for the bell were actually lost uh, and destroyed in 1945. 
So the uh, the ultra secret project of the Nazi Bell was commanded by SS General Hans Kammler, mm. a scientific engineer who was involved in the development of the V two missiles as well. Yeah. So y- as you can start to see now, uh, Werner von Braun, who ended up being taken and becoming the head of NASA, worked with this dude on the dig lock. Yeah. And this is where it says um, uh, G- General uh, Kammler. Or the Nazi campaign, some theories say that the bell was moved in a cargo plane, stopping in Barcelona, Spain, towards the South American cone between Chile and Argentina. So when uh, after all the end of this, it was moved. And I have also heard that the Nazis did, did weren't defeated and they, they, were, they were moved to Argentina mm-hmm. and then from Argentina to Antarctica. Yeah, but that's something that we'll we'll touch on in another part of this where we talk about modern day times because there's yep. actually a bit of information from whistleblowers about Antarctica yeah. and the Nazi bases on Antarctica. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll look back to that on another episode for sure. But um, yeah, so it seems that the real uh, Nazi campaign for, was was the trying they were trying to make it a time machine. Yeah, so they not only were they trying to make like an anti gravitic weapon, but like it was they were trying to make a time machine yep. that to make small air movements at the same time as, as rotating propellers, as it was rotating its propellers. So, man, there's, there's so much secrecy about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But on December 1965, this is a separate incident, December 9th, an unknown flying object, acorn or bell-shaped, crashed in the vicinity of the US town Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. This event was known in the study of ufology as the case of Kecksburg. The artifact had strange inscriptions like the Nazi bell and was quickly recovered by military forces. Because of course. Because of course. They're not going to let anything like this. Many witnesses saw the strange event. Everything suggests that the UFO of Kecksburg was the result of development of the Nazi campaign project. Uh, The most uh, most probable hypothesis is that both Hans Kammler and the Nazi campaign ended up in the secret bases of the US government protected by utmost security. And this is where we lead into Area 51. Yeah. So just to jump back quickly, one of the things that's important to note if you're kind of confused with what we're saying so far is that so this ship uh, was in development even like back in the late 1930s, this Bell ship, wasn't it? Like they were working on it. Yeah, they were working on it for a while. Yeah, they were working on it in tandem, I guess, when they were working on these V2 missiles. Yeah. So if you think about the fact that, again, we still don't have any knowledge of a way that they can harness Mercury to be able to create this kind of machine, because that's one of the things is that this ship wasn't just like a a plane or it was, you know, the people, they were working on something that was moving in ways that weren't known to any sort of um, shuttle. So the the way that that ties into the alien thing is what you'll hear throughout a lot of this episode and the next episode is that there seems to be this, this... overarching thing where either they have recovered ancient technology and they've like been able to reverse engineer certain aspects of it um, that we've had, you know, crashes in the 18th century through to now that have ended up being recovered and they've been able to work on some. Yeah. That's like the common theme of most stories or whatever of, of, of whistleblowers on it is that that seems to be what's happened is that yeah. ships have been either recovered or, or crashed or landed or whatever it is yeah. and that we're starting to make some sort of advancements with technology based on what based they, on what they were found cover. So a lot of what they ended up finding in Roswell just on that fact was ended up being fiber optics and Bluetooth. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's very interesting like how 
they were like, let's reverse this technology and see what we can get from it. They might not be able to actually get, you know, yeah. whatever it is because the language is going to be different. The materials might be stuff that we can't access on Earth. Yep. But they still obviously, obviously have managed a way to make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah. And obviously, like, you know, when we get into the to the Bob Lazar stuff at the end, a lot of he, what he talks about is how many people have died trying to, like, you know, they've taken, like, uh, sledgehammers to things and trying to break them open or whatever and ended up killing themselves. Like, yeah. there's so much of that when you're mucking around with something that you don't understand how it works and your job is to try and find out how it works. Yeah. There's a lot of casualties. And, like, you, so taking it back to the paperclip stuff, that's this trying to fuck with Mercury. You know, they obviously had something that they could see behaved in that way. Um, and a lot of that is, is that, like, you might think, It'll it'll look like something that we know of in our say periodic table, but it will behave in a way that we've never seen before. Yeah. So then they will try and replicate it with what seems to be the same, uh, you know, f- uh, physics makeup of it, but they'll be creating a really volatile, really dangerous version yeah. of what ever yeah. this thing is that's made it perfect and yep. you know completely combustion free and heat free and all of those things. So that seems to be where the scientific thing comes from. Um, so I just wanted to sort of mention that so when yeah. people are going like, why are we talking about this ship in particular? It's because there's a theme throughout it where there seems to be these these ships or these things that are talked about that happen to have this ability that they're trying to then turn that into stuff and some that seems to be, like you said, with Bluetooth and fibre optics that we actually have now yeah. had today. Exactly right. That, you know, I don't understand how the fuck it works. And Neither it do I. It sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Like, especially Bluetooth, man. Yeah. That really kind of came out of nowhere and, like, I still don't really, like, understand how they're sending well, this information. Infrared before that, how quickly did we go from yeah. no wireless transmission stuff to add it, whatever, to infrared, to Bluetooth, and then now to Wi-Fi? To Wi-Fi, yeah. They were very quick in terms of what we had before. Everything had to be physical cable connections. Yeah. And even that, I mean, even think about how we transmit data over fiber optics and yeah. all that. Like, that's all Well, that's exactly where it's leading strange. next. I've heard about the next step is transmitting data through light called Li-Fi. Yeah. Which essentially is going to be like if you've got like a house light or anything that light there or you know it that that light those light particles can transmit data to a yeah. receiver so Insane. it's going to be like you're going to be able to essentially send the information over like the rays of the sun yeah so you're going to be able to basically get internet everywhere and anywhere there's light which is just so, crazy to think of and yeah stuff will transfer up to not this, necessarily but, but it could up be to up the speed to of the light, speed of light yeah. which is like exactly right which is quick enough for me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that might do the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might yeah. do the job, NBN. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> so let's let's get into obviously, uh, uh, like everyone kind of knows what the idea of Area Fifty One is. So I haven't gotten too much on everything. We're, we're going to come back and talk a lot more about the stuff that apparently has happened in Area Fifty One, like the Bob Lazar thing, which I know is something that a lot of people are familiar around. But obviously, Area Fifty One is. Uh, uh, located in the desert of Nevada, um, the spot now known as Area 51, that it was a location that was already being used for military testing. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's been nuke testing out there. So the reason it's called Area 51 is because there's basically a military base that's divided up into all of these areas. Yeah. Um, and Area 51 is sort of up the top right-hand corner of those. So not as adjacent as everything else that was already there, but, you know, close enough that they've yeah. called it um, Area 51. Um, and so, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that that um, was happening there in terms of 
military testing, bomb testing, all of that kind of stuff. But still, so little has actually ever been classified, yeah, uh, declassified or made public. Um, it's all been very under the rug for Except a long for whistleblowers. Time. Basically, yeah. like, the, the, it's the only thing. They're just not admitting it. They're well, not coming out. They only confirmed that Area 51 existed in 2013. Yeah, exactly. So right. if we go back to the history of it, right, think about how in 1954, President Eisenhower, yeah. so it must have been, if you're thinking of the 40s, it had to have been Must have been before someone that. before him. Yeah, yeah we don't have that. Um, and have then director straight. of CIA, uh, uh, then director of the CIA, Alan Dulles, authorizes Richard Bissell to lead a top secret development of high-altitude aircraft dubbed Project Aquatone. Uh, so in the summer of 1955, so a year later, uh, many UFO, UFO sightings were reported around Area 51. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, is that everything that they've talked about for Area 51 in terms of like, and what they came out with officially in 2013. So this stuff's been happening for 70 years. And what they came out in 2013 and admitted was this project from 1954, saying, no, all we've ever done is um, do spy plane things, such as this U-2 plane that we developed. You're telling me that in 2013, you're coming out and being like, oh yeah, we were doing these things back in the 50s. Fill the blanks in of the fucking next yeah, 60 years exactly and wonder right. what the fuck they've been doing there since then. Yeah. And they've just kind of sedated us by being like, oh, well, yeah, no, we'll admit that it's a place and we were doing some like high altitude plane testing. There's a couple of the other news ships I think they came yeah, out. Yeah, they came out and there. said that the Blackbird, was yep. it the S2 Blackbird yep. was, was developed there. Yeah. Now that is, a, that is a cool like feat. But I think on, like, on a previous podcast, I've talked about the TR3B the mm. patent for the TR-3B that was like semi-recently released yep. and how it's like essentially a black floating triangle. Yeah. Now, like whether they actually have the anti-gravitic technology in the this public version of the, you know, TR-3B or not uh, isn't the case. Is like a lot of people have seen black floating triangles. It's a very common thing, especially yep. around military bases. Yeah. So there is no way that the only thing they developed with these German scientists that were working on the Deagolock, like we were saying before, there's no way that the only thing they developed, right, was a fucking jet that ran on conventional methanol fuel. There's, yeah. no, there's no way, right? No, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, there's when there's so much of it being tied into this whole we can't let information get out that other nations can find out about. That's why they yeah. have to, they kill so many people that have worked on these things. They keep so much of it under rugs, beca- uh, under the rug because they need to make sure that they're protecting the information as well as trying to advance. Yeah. So like, you know, on that merit alone, they would be so many light years in front of where we know they are. And that information is being kept under such lock and key because that falling into the wrong hands could yeah. be the end of your country. Well, a lot of these whistleblowers are saying that like back in the, like a lot of this technology was start like was starting to be reverse engineered and discovered in the thirties and whatnot. Yeah. And what's coming out now, well, like what was coming out then, you know, in the, in, in the early nineties, like we were saying before with infrared and whatnot, that was what they would have been discovering 
Yeah. In then, that time. In that Absolutely. time. So imagine now, they'd probably be like a thousand years ahead of what we're, we're talking yep. about like Li-Fi. Yep. They'd, they'd probably be something that they can transmit data through just the fucking ether of space and time, mate. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. 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 And that's exactly right. Like, and when you, and we get further along this, you'll start to understand like some of the things that people have reported um, as being, uh, you know, what they were witnessing at that time in the eighties and whatever. So, the reason why I wanted to start with Area 51 and then go back to Roswell, Roswell is one of the biggest, I guess, known alien encounter type things is because that story becomes hilarious of like, oh, Area 51 was only founded at in this time um, and it was only ever to do military testing and, then, and the UFOs that people were seeing were because of these planes that we had that could fly at 66,000 feet, yep. whereas general planes were flying at 10,000 and, and our jets were fighting at 40,000. That's all there is to it, case fucking closed. And, yeah. and coming out and saying that even as recently as 2013 is that when you go back and look at what happened at Roswell, which was in 1947, so it fills that timeline now. We started at World War II. We went to 1954, and so we've jumped from sort of like, you know, 45, 46 to 54. Yeah. Now we're going back and looking at what was happening in, in 47. Um, so in 1947, there was an incredibly large wave of UFO sightings. In the last six months of 1947 alone, there were 300 claims of UFO so that's pretty sightings. nice. That's like two or three a day. Yeah. Lots of UFO sightings a yep. day in that hyper-focused area. Yep. Among these is the infamous Roswell incident um, in which the one thing that everyone agrees on, so skeptic or whatever, is that something did crash, right? Yeah. So there's no argument that oh, there was never a crash, it was planted. There was definitely a crash. It's just about what was discovered that is still debated. Um, so sometime before June 14th in 1947, a crash occurred on Foster Ranch and the local rancher Mac Brazel visits the crash site. Uh, Mac Brazel takes some of the debris from what he's found that's crashed to local Sheriff George Wilcos, who then contacts Colonel Butch Blanchard from the US Air Force. Now, yeah. again, obviously it looks weird if you're going and taking it to the sheriff. Oh, yeah. Like if it's something that you can clearly identify quite easily as just part of a plane or what we'll get to in a minute, a fucking weather balloon. Yeah. You're just going to be like, oh, that's interesting and fucking leave Throw it, it in alone. the bin. Yeah, exactly right. But you've taken some of the debris straight to the uh, local sheriff and that local sheriff has then contacted the Air Force straight away. Yeah. So you've already got two people that are clearly reacting to something interesting, yeah. right? Um, then uh, Blanchard, so the, the US... Air Force then gets contacted and then Blanchard alerts his uh, superior, General Roger uh, Ramey. Yeah, Ramey looks right. Ramey, Ramey, who then tasks Jesse Marcel, who's an intelligence officer, to assess the crash site and recover more of the material. Yeah. So if that was you, who, who, hypothetical question here, if that was your backyard, right, and there, and someone had crashed in it, would you, would you hand in the evidence to the police? Not now. Not, not now. Not, not, again, you're talking about 1947 when people are so fucking oblivious to the corruption yeah. that exists because there's yeah. just no, a lot more authoritarian. No age then. of information. You think you're doing the right thing by approaching those people. You know, there's no argument that. Think about how many times you hear like, well, "Why don't you go to the police?" Like that's just the thing that everyone says to everything that's ever happened ever. It's like, "Why don't you go to the police?" That's yeah. just so ingrained. What would you do it. then if you found this like material that was super hard but super light, and then you know, who knows? Like if you found a body even in that 
what, what would you do? I think me personally, I would approach people closest to me to be able to inspect it and get their opinion on it myself, on yeah. myself before anyone of any sort of authoritarian. So get enough video, you know, get something enough. drops into my backyard, I'm calling you and 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 all my mates that it would be interested in it to start with, yeah. and saying, come have a look at this thing that I found. It's otherworldly, yeah. And we all agree, we all take fucking ridiculous amounts of photos, back it up onto fucking hard drives, yeah. do all of that, clouds. And then try and go fucking public so that when they try and stomp the narrative out you've got a hundred people that have yeah. witnessed it taking their own videos back that up on their own heart like that's the only way you can do it these days yeah. where the information ends up the information and the people and the testimonies all outweigh whatever narrative that a mainstream can possibly spin on it yeah and we're in a time now where that's possible oh yeah it was never possible back then they could just squash this shit yeah um, because you know, they didn't have gopros they could run outside and take videos of it and well, if you, phones they could just upload to the cloud and not be able to delete it like to take a little quick side step away from this into one of my favorite things of 9-11 about exactly what we're talking about one of the theories that surrounds 9-11 and there is evidence to support it is that they held off and talking about technology suppression, they held off the release of camera phones in the US until after 9-11. Really? And if you actually research I didn't it, know you'll that. find okay. that the first camera phone did not get released until after 9-11. Okay. Because imagine if everyone had a fucking camera yeah. in their pocket. Yeah. So 2001 in the... like, And there was already... They had them in, in Japan and they had them in China and whatever. Yeah. But the actual full... You know, they, they go hammer and tong into this, you know... And you remember what it was like. Oh, of course. When they yeah, released yeah. camera phones. Like, it was a fucking massive campaign about how amazing these things are. Throw your digital cameras away and yeah. just carry this fucking shitty yeah. thing with you. It was massive. So apparently they, they held off on that until after 9-11. So if you hold the belief that 9-11 was fishy, that makes it even fucking fishier. Because think about it. All the videos that you see are the same ones that the news showed you over and over again. It's so hard to find something that gives you a different angle or perspective. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Know, even Tower 7 collapsing, it's the same one. It's, it's only those couple that came from this chosen fucking... CCTV that yeah. happened to be pointing at it like there's no one giving you their own vision yeah. um, so you know again if they've got the ability to, to control that technology suppression to make yeah. sure that this thing goes off without a hitch they can't do that now a 9-11 if, yeah. if you believe in the I guess the conspiracy of it they couldn't do it in today's society oh, it would work yeah nah it'd be so because much because you cannot stop the one point whatever million people that are on you know surrounding that area where it's going down yeah. every single building looking at that building has a uh, yeah. has a video of it exactly know? right every single, and um, almost every and almost every single person in that building has a has a camera i mean even think about all the mass shootings that they've tried to do like the whole like, you know, document, like they all seem different than what we'd seen in the past, like where they've got someone with a body camera that's going in and doing this fucking shooting or whatever yeah. because they're trying to make it so that it, you know, it's not something that someone else can record because you're getting the real deal yeah. firsthand footage. So they're trying to like get ahead of it and be like, well, what's more authentic than someone with a GoPro shooting people? Yeah, exactly right. So it's like, you know, you getting someone else showing a video of them running into the building doesn't seem as impressive. Yeah. Because this dude's fucking giving you the first-hand yeah. footage. So it's kind of like that whole thing. They're where playing again, on it now. They suppressed it for ages and then they now they're like playing on it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're going, all right, well, let's make it so immersive yeah. that you don't want to look for other videos. You'll look, you just want to watch this unbelievable thing yeah. unfold in like what looks like a first-person fucking shooter. Yeah, game. it's fucking ridiculous, Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. So, so, so going back, going yeah, back, going sorry, back to Roswell. Tangent. Yeah, that's um, good though. That's good. So we're up to uh, uh, Jesse Marcel, uh, yeah. the intelligence officer. So on July eighth, uh, about three weeks later, uh, Colonel Br- uh, was it Blanchard orders Walter Hort, the public information officer, to release a press sta- press statement stating that they found what they believed to be a crashed flying saucer. So essentially, they're saying. They came out and said, the headline read, the RAAF captures flying saucer on a ranch in Roswell region. Yeah, so posted it as a newspaper that yeah. they had found a flying saucer, which again, you know, it's the UFO has come to have many names, but that was probably its first iteration of yeah. what they used to call them back in those days. Whenever someone witnessed it, it was it, it, it became flying saucer first, then probably UFO, yeah. then now they call they, it UAP. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, because that could you, you could, you could call the uh, the Northern Lights, Lights that. That's exactly what I was just thinking. You know what yeah. I mean? They're trying to take, they're trying to take away the mysticism of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because UFO is always. Unidentified flying object is already kind of weird, but again, it's become like cool and mysterious. Yeah, so exactly trying to make right. It, like, take it away from that, and I guess also in part trying to make it less attached to crazy people. I understand that because some people have been like, "Oh my god, I've been abducted," and fucking, yeah. you know, and it gets kind of weird. But yeah. but yeah, keep going anyway from uh, the headline. Yeah. So on the same day. Uh, the RAF then changes their statement and General Roger Ramey orders that the crash remains are now taken to Fort Worth, Texas. They issue another press release with the correction, it was just a weather balloon. Now, surely everyone's heard that before. They've heard that statement when people go, nah, it's been, de- it's been debunked, it was just a weather balloon. So that, that, that would have been tying back into what we said with the Project Aquatone, the high-flying vehicles. They're probably going, no, this is just Project Aquatone. Yep. These are just weather balloon, high-altitude, you know, yep. things. Yep. Uh, and, it's not, and it's not a crash. Yep. Which these do, this, this rancher saw it with his own eyes and so did the guy who owns the property too. Mm-hmm. And they would have been silent. They would have been like, you, you speak about it, you're getting killed. Yep. You know? And that's what he does. The witness comes out that same day and mm. goes, oh, yeah. Oh, it was just basically sticks and, and tape and foil. If that was the case, why the fuck did you run straight to the sheriff? Yeah. Why did the sheriff run straight to the Air Force? And why did the Air Force <laughs> get his guy out there fucking immediately? If it sticks and fucking stones, For all, stones, for mate, all you of don't. them to then say flying saucer. Yeah. Which, again, anything like that, and it doesn't matter what time of the world you're in, You've got a reputation at risk. And if you didn't, why would they come out and denounce it immediately, right? So they obviously said it with just as much conviction that that's what they found as much as they came out with the same level of conviction to say it was a weather balloon. Yeah. Why would you? Exactly. Why would you even risk it unless you thought, holy shit, we found something. You didn't realise that whatever invisible hand you didn't... weren't aware existed yeah we're going to come out and because you know the air force is split up into so many divisions so oh, yeah 100%. you know us who believe of the shadow government and whatever that is the puppeteers or all of those all it ta- if that exists as we believe it does you know this air force person has come out with conviction not aware of what's actually controlling all of them and gone we found a fucking flying saucer yeah. and then something's coming i mean like you need to retract that immediately yeah yeah they know some shit oh yeah you know because they they probably would have that probably would have possibly could have even been technology that they were developing, bro. Yeah. You never know. We think. So you look at the timeline. You've talked about like the 1939 through to 44, 45. They already know about this bell that the Germans have been working on and these scientists have been captured and brought over to America and they're already doing this work. 
and yeah. then Roswell crash happens in 1947. Yeah. Two years later. Yeah. So there's there's a very good chance that this is part of a project that they're fucking working on that's exactly gone right. south and crashed or whatever it is. So they need to get on. But this this Air Force fucking person in Roswell, New Mexico, isn't going to know what's happening already at Area 51 with these Nazi fucking doctors. So he's going, we found a fucking flying saucer. Then all of a sudden the big hush has come down yeah, and gone, yeah. we don't fucking talk about that Swinging shit. Swinging the big dick of fucking silence, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy yeah, to dude. think of. So the case remains speculation and a conspiracy theory. I think we've talked about where conspiracy theory came from in one of the earlier ones, but yep. like a CIA term that they essentially pushed through social engineering to, to decredit and demonize and ridicule. Yeah. Um, so obviously the newspaper were going to be like, it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But until 1978, when Stanton Friedman, a physicist and UFO researcher, interviews none other than Jesse Marcel himself, the man who was sent by the general Roger Romay to inspect it. Yeah. So in his interview, he says he still believes that it was definitely not a weather balloon. So this is, so just to, to remind you, so we're talking from 1947 to 1978. So yeah. he's now well and truly retired. Yeah, this is now um, 1978, yeah. Yeah, so you're looking at 31 years in the future. Um, so in that interview, he says uh, he still believes that it was definitely not a weather balloon. And most interestingly, when he talked about the metal or the material found at the crash, he said, and I quote, it felt like you had nothing in your hands. It wasn't any thicker than the foil out of a pack of cigarettes. But the thing that got me is that you couldn't even bend it. You couldn't dent it and even a sledgehammer would bounce off it. Yeah. So think about so. like our aluminium foil, which is, you know, again, that you would pull out a sheet of that or someone would give you a sheet of that and you couldn't bend it. You couldn't fold it. Would it would freak you the fuck out. And you could you could hit like, you know, hit it and it wouldn't crumple or whatever. Yeah. That's insane to think yeah, of. Yeah, man. And um, to think it's that light as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, he, say, he goes on to say, it was not anything from this earth that I am sure of. And he explains that he has been an intelligence officer in the RAF for many years and knows all the types of material we have available to build or had available to build crafts with. So then Stanton then goes on to uh, interview all the aforementioned people. So Colonel Blanchard, George Wilcox, and Mark Brazel, the original witness, and yep. Walter Hort, who's the guy who released the press release, and then went on to announce himself that Roswell was a massive cover-up and called it a cosmic, cosmic water, water gate. So now, so it was almost like they came out and they had interviewed these people, and then once again, the big dick of silence has come down and been like, if you don't if you don't try and explain this in a way that will keep the conspiracy theorists at bay, yeah. we're going to have a problem. And that's what they did after that all came out over even as recently as the last 20 or 30 years. They've done continuous CIA declassification, declassified reports where the report ends up saying it was a weather balloon. Every single time they're like, we've done this, we've researched that, we've done this, it was a weather balloon. But what is interesting about it is that these people who have come out later all have very similar corroborating stories around what the material was like. One of them says something slightly different in that the material could be scrunched, but then as soon as you let go of it, it would snap back to its right. original form okay. of that metal that you couldn't actually dent or damage. You couldn't damage it by doing it. And it would almost like, you know, think of fucking the, the Terminator 2 guy where like he yeah, the liquid guy. the thing where he just like goes back to his yeah. shape, yeah. Um, that it was kind of like that. And the other interesting thing is that they quite a few of the witnesses or the people that investigated 
and then got interviewed later said about the bodies that got found, which isn't something that's talked about. They said that they yeah, actually found okay. alien bodies at the crash site. Okay. They all said what we know to be the story that we hear from nearly every person of like four foot tall, giant head and grey. Yeah, all of yeah. them corroborated that same thing, right? And, 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 there's, and there's a lot of um, people that have had firsthand experience or abductions with aliens that quite often also cite uh, the greys as well. Yeah. So it's a very common... Uh, it, it's almost like you know this would be you know I mean like this would be a grey I guess if it was yep. grey like the big the big eyes no nose just a small mouth kind of like big head little body kind of thing. The, it, there's that many um, you know pictures and drawings and you know idealized of the greys. There would have to be some sort of truth behind it yeah you know a lot of these insiders also say that there's tall greys as well yep. so they look like they're like our height or, or taller yeah uh, and they still have big eyes and whatnot but they're just tall yeah you know so it, yeah there, there's lots of different whistleblowers talking about different types of aliens a lot of a lot of the high technology advanced races look like us yeah so it's interesting like i heard this fact from like one of these whistleblower videos you know a couple of years ago when i was like going deep into a lot of these they were saying that, you know, there's X amount of millions of aliens that walk among us, you know, every day and they, they, they come down here and quite often they're just down here to analyse us yeah, and just to see how our society works and stuff like that. And they just look like us. Like you wouldn't really know, yeah, you know, what, like you would, you would just think they're a person. And there, there's, there's one guy was like, there's probably a very strong chance that everybody in the world at some point has had a face-to-face conversation with an ET. Yeah. Well, there's even the other side of that theory that is like that I've uh, seen some people talk about in that, like a, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but but we know that there's a there's a realm of exi- like there's our vision only has a certain range, yeah. our hearing only has a certain range. So there's also a belief that these people are able to manipulate that, and like a dog whistle that we can't hear, they can make themselves completely unaware that they're in our vicinity, and that they they even go on to say like this is what could be attributed to everyone's like uh, like ghost type stuff yeah is that these are actually you know the experiences that they're having are with uh like aliens or, or these creatures or these beings that are able to move between the realms of what we can see in here and what we can't so like we're seeing a glitch of that part of their yeah. control of over those you know frequencies definitely because essentially a- it's just a vibration like yeah. everything within the electromagnetic spectrum is a different vibration and yeah. all colors are obviously different and whatnot. And, you know, sound is its own thing too. So just like we can control, you know, our hearing to a very, you know, crazy degree or we like human beings have our own certain abilities. Like when we get cut, we regenerate or yeah. whatever, you know, these people, these non-terrestrials might also have the ability to control their vibration yeah. essentially. So they can vibrate faster than what we can see, which yeah. means it kind of it would like phase out of reality. Yeah. That's look. And that, I mean, that's something that I probably would entertain the idea of even more than go like in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Makes, I agree. Yeah. Knowing yeah, yeah. like something as simple as I can't hear a dog whistle. It makes sense to me that these things could exist in a, in a, in a frequency that I can't see or hear that then that there's a spirit inhabiting our plane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, there's something it, about ghosts that I've just never quite gelled with. Hey, yeah. like, I'm not saying that they, they don't exist. Like I've personally never had like firsthand experience with ghosts. So I wouldn't like really have any kind of like knowledge about it, but yeah. there's something about that 
lingering spirit, you know, what would you even call it idea or whatever? Yeah. The lingering spirit, the, you know, fact that it doesn't really gel with me. Yeah. Like I think it would have to be something that is from a different dimension or something like that. And that's where that ties in. If that was the same, like that's the same thing. If that aliens and even spirits like can exist in a, that's, that's the way that I buy into everything is that there is that whole alternate reality, alternate universe, like kind of stuff where it's like these things exist in a different format, but there's crossover between the two realms, whether it's aliens being able to hide themselves or spirits still lingering after because, you know, their physical body still was here, but now they've entered a different, you know, frequency of existence. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that makes sense could to me that that trace, could be the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That could be the way that it crosses, um, that it crosses over. I mean, cause it has to be something there. There has to be something for people that have, you know, as we've even talked about this connection that we have to everything, whether it's nature, whether it's other humans, I believe that, you know, people have these genuine psychic, connections with something i don't understand what it is or how it works but there's enough evidence to support that some people are can feel something in a way that other people can't oh, just like sure, when we dude. talk about you know it's like clairvoyance clairaudience you yeah know, clairsentience clair yeah. fucking what's the other one uh, well it's like precognition where you can see the future and anything psychic like that that's where a lot of like a lot of people will dismiss it because they've never experienced it yeah. I've like when I was a kid, I experienced like a, a, a very vivid case of precognition. I was like, I had a dream and then I was like, that, that was a really weird dream. I was running up this ramp at school, right? You know how when you have deja vu yeah, and you're like, oh shit, that's deja vu. This was deja, deja vu, but on a whole nother level. Yeah. It was like, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fucking super weird, man. And then I've also astral projected before, but that's for another time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That scared the shit out of me, man. Yeah. That really scared me because I was yeah. awake, but I wasn't in my body. Yeah, and I've had heaps so. of people that have told me experience of that. So I guess the point of all of that is that, there, you know, there's a lot of ways that they could be around us and we're not even aware of it. Yeah. Um, and that would make sense given, you know, that we that we do believe in these kinds of things on a general level. Why wouldn't that fall? If we can believe in ghosts and we can believe in clairvoyance and we can believe in these things, why couldn't these aliens be able to manipulate that? For in the ability to just walk amongst us as yeah, well, exactly or shape shift, right. or any of those fucking things that could, could definitely be possible. So, hundred percent. So, what's the deal? Are we going to talk about Bob Lazar this time, or, or are we? No, gonna, I reckon we'll save that. We'll save that's that. Our, I, I want to talk a lot about that, as yeah, I think that's cool. the most notable example. Cool. All right. Um, so the last couple of points of this were just that um, he explained that they covered up the knowledge of the craft, the materials used, and even uncovering alien bodies. So that's yeah. circling back. Um, One of the crazy things is that a lot of the witnesses, which are from all walks of life right up to military intelligence, recount the same kind of thing about bodies being found, yeah, of tiny grey aliens um, with the massive heads and the same thing we hear from different people in different events and time again. So that was basically what we talked about um, already. But, um, yeah, that's – if you – Look at any of these things isolated. So you look at, you know, the Nazi scientists coming over. It's like we talk about all the time. You've got to look at that, draw that line between all of them. Like how they talk about, oh, we were working on reverse engineering. Oh, we found these, you know, we've communicated with these grey things with tiny heads. Yeah. That with these like elasticy bodies because they don't need to actually do anything because they all communicate with their brains. That's why their brains are fucking massive. Like yeah. those things tie into a lot of these stories that go over nearly a century. You know, you're talking like, as I said, early 20s and 30s right through to now and these are the same things that are popping up, these same themes. There has to be something there. Definitely, man. Definitely. For for it to just be weather balloons 
and fucking uh, high altitude aircraft. Yeah. It's just at the point now where we have so much technology and we know that this isn't like what I feel like we've been almost like bottlenecked, uh, somewhat bottlenecked like over the last maybe five years think about the the, the acceleration growth in the 90s compared to like you know let's, let's compare 1998 to 2004 or whatever or 2003 or whatever that just that that gap there was huge yeah whereas where i feel like 2015 2020 like hasn't really been no. that huge no that's right and i feel like this like they because they know that people aren't falling for the shit anymore they've started to like really bottleneck it they started to really like go. All right, well, we they obviously know that there's so much more to this world. You know, talking about free energy devices, talking about you know holograms and Project Bluebeam, which we'll go into another time, which is like super realistic holograms. Yeah. Also, another theory about 9/11 is that, is that it was a Project Bluebeam thing. There was not actually no planes that ended up hitting it at all. Yep. It was a blue beam that was like, you know, doing this hologram on it and then they had the bombs in there that exploded. Yep. So we won't go into that too far now, but I think we'll wrap this one up here and then for the next episode, we will be doing, going into Bob Lazar, deep into Bob Lazar because his testimony is super interesting. Absolutely. Um, and I wouldn't mind while we're, do, while we're doing that, then bringing it a little bit further and do a bit of research into a guy called uh, William Tompkins. Mm -hmm. He was a researcher at Boeing, I think it was, or McDonald Douglas, one of those two. Yeah. And um, his testimony is really interesting, man. He, I think he goes into um, talking about uh, ships that were, were sent in. Yeah, right. And stuff like that. Yeah. So I think, don't quote me on it, but I think. But either way, I know that I listened to it before and it was super interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think next time, this time we've really given the people a solid base to, to go, all right, sweet. So this is kind of where we can we can set a start. Obviously, it could have started before Operation Absolutely. Paperclip. That's you know, the we stuff never know. that is documented to a degree that's yeah, worth bringing that's worth to you with any kind of... Because we um, didn't want to just... We've said this multiple times. We didn't want to just come on here and just spout random facts. Yep. And, uh, and like we wanted to try and tie it together in a way that people could follow. Yeah. So what we'll do next time is we'll talk about Bob Lazar. We'll talk about the ancient astronaut theory. Yeah. As well, because that really throws it back. Like that, yeah. that talks about like the pineal gland and like all these ancient religions and all the scriptures and ancient Egypt and you know who the people that they were, all the people they worshipped and whatnot. And then we'll also talk about um, William Tompkins because he's he only passed away in like 2016 or 2017. Yeah, yeah he was one of the one that did a fair bit of deathbed. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, stuff, he, did. He? He, he did. He did. He did. And there's a bit of like YouTube content out there about it. So we'll be able to link people up and bring them facts on here and then they can go take it away and, and go look at it themselves so yeah have you ever had a have you ever seen anything no. weird or interesting no i've had vivid dreams but no nah, I, I wish i could say that i'd seen a ufo i really do man yeah i'm obsessed with aliens bro i got an alien tattoo on my arm but like yeah well, no, my mum said she's seen weird things over ki and ki would be a place that the, yeah, the, imagine, the sky yeah. is so clear yeah that you're gonna see something over there and it's but it's still close enough to mainland and whatever else that like you know if anything was coming over um but yeah you know heaps of people have got there's some really interesting abduction stories that seem to have a fair bit of merit that you know what was the one of the ones i was listening to recently one of the most compelling ones where the the guy literally did go missing for five days they were out yeah. like a massive group of lumberjacks um they all got a polygraph test and all of them passed, like passed or inconclusive, the polygraph test. Yep. But none of them seemed like they were convincingly lying. Yeah. Um. It was all either that they were telling the truth about their experience, 
Um, and the weirdest thing about it is that where this guy told his story, they went back and did some research later and found that all the trees and everything had like fiber, like their growth levels went up by like 500% or something. Don't quote me on the amount, but basically there was clearly evidence that something had disturbed the very nature of the environment surrounding where this yeah, abduction okay. apparently happened. Yeah. So you look at those three things as, an, as a story that the dude actually went missing and that they started questioning his friends about his disappearance, um, that the polygraph test for all five of them, so it meant that th- they all were supporting his craziness as well. You yeah, know? So yeah, it wasn't exactly like right. that they weren't just like, ah, oh, he's a fucking kook. They were all saying like he went missing. Like we saw this light, he went missing. Yeah. And that he did actually physically go missing. And that yeah, where it had happened, the actual makeup and and what they understand about, you know, the rate of trees growth or whatever it was, the wood fibers or something turned into something astronomical that they hadn't seen before. Yeah. It's a very fucking interesting abduction story with those when those three things um add up together so there's heaps of that kind of stuff man like there really is and if anybody out there listening here has had a first-hand experience i would love to hear it if anybody listening wants to email through or if anyone was involved in any government programs i don't know how many fucking government (laughs) secret scientists are listening to wormholes podcast but like you never know man yeah and if you are and you feel like that you want to talk about it we would love to hear it we would love to hear it and even more so just what are the ones that you know a lot of people have watched documentaries or they think we know that bob lazar was a big one and that's why we're going to dedicate a fair bit of time to him in the next episode but if you've just got your favorite story abduction story or whatever hit us with the links yeah and even if we do part two which we've already got sort of mapped out but then come back for a part three of everyone's choice of the things that they want to i know i'll shout out to pagey and i haven't had a chance to really look at it yet but he wants me to look into uh because one of the the documentaries that i was um listening to are about how all of these exonerated or or retired scientists who were basically had their work stopped or crumpled or or prevented have now gone and joined the what's it called but tom delong's oh yeah to the stars project to the stars project so as much as it's weird to have the face of it be fucking don't waste your time on me you're already yeah exactly right um nobody likes you when you're 23 but yeah a fucking alien abducted me me. (laughs) (laughs) um but under under the under that face is a lot of these former whether it's engineers or scientists or air force generals or navy generals that have like seen things yeah. had it squashed and now are trying to find a way to get this information so uh pagey i know that you wanted me to uh to get stuck into that i'll i'll, I'll make sure i do that and bring a little bit about where that's at because the next episode we're trying to we, we gave you the the beginning and now we want to try and bring you from Fra- i mean the whole Fravor thing uh not Fravor. Yeah. we will talk we about, will talk about Fravor. Fravor, yeah, definitely. Uh, bob lazar that's only, that's nineties. Yeah, you know, so we're we're talking another forty years in front of where we're talking about now. Exactly right. Yeah, the shit that he talks about correlates with Roswell back in nineteen thirty. Now, so fifty years worth of a difference between them, and yet we're still talking about the same kind of you know ships and the same kind of uh, beings. Yeah. And the same secrecy is still surrounding it. So, at the end of the day, if they just if they just come out, they keep saying that us as a species, we're not ready, we're not ready, we're all right. Bullshit. Bullshit. If you're not ready to to 
have the expanded consciousness or the idea that there's an intelligent species out there other than us, if you're not ready for that idea, you need to do some spiritual work. Yeah. You really do. Because we're so far beyond thinking we're the only ones out there. Well, you have to be, man. Come on. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's it's a very strange reason. One of the theories that they have is like, yeah, but as soon as we know, then the test is over and they just blow us up. All right, well, fucking blow us up. Let us have that. Like, that's it. If that's going to be the end thing, then we're living for this weird abnormal purpose yeah. anyway yeah exactly waiting right. for that to happen so let's just fucking let it happen yeah then i just don't just think that that's the case i no, just i feel no. like if that was the case it would have already happened yeah with the amount of shit that's happened on yeah, this fucking earth man. through two world wars and what's happened in fucking a massive part of it over the last three decades and yeah. where we're at as a fat disgustingly yeah. hateful spiteful fucking, fucking i think sick the, tired the test result has already gone bad so oh, if yeah. they, they were going to pull the pin i think they've done it already yeah. which means there's a reason that something's happening if there is any of that layer of control we're still meant to be here for doing something so we should be all pushing to find out more you yeah. know this, yep. this comes down to everything is what we talk about with it's why we talk about this shit is because we want to create that hunger for knowledge that thirst to know more exactly right instead of just being satisfied with the four walls around us you want to be able to we want to we want to be able to create the critical thinking for everybody that's interested in this topic starting off because it, it'd be so easy for me to sit here and go fucking yeah you spin mercury and apply a fucking seven hertz fucking electromagnetic wave and it turns to gold and it fucking spins you upside down and puts you in outer space for six years you mean like you, you could make anything up at all we want to try and really present as many facts and as many critically thought angles as we can to this and walk you through like somewhat of a timeline and then make you hungry for more because exactly right. we, yeah. like again you know who trying to juggle a full-time job and make sure that we did this episode in a way that brought facts and understanding of the key events like what we know about area 51 and what we know about roswell and what you know about operation paperclip you know the, like we've asked you now to send us this stuff or whatever that's because we can't tackle everything we can't yeah. cover everything there's only so much time That's so the it. more that you can bring us and the more that you want to learn for yourself and then you're like hey i want to come on the, i've been doing fucking six months of this research i want to come on the fucking podcast and tell you about what i've been fucking Fuck let's yeah. do it you know can't wait, that's bro. the whole idea and, and i guess i know for the 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 key fam that you guys have been hanging out for this episode yeah we hope part one has done you justice we hope it's just tickled the ball sack of uh, curiosity a little bit yeah. when it comes to the uh, the non-terrestrials yep and then we're going to come back and slide our whole fist in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, I really want to go into about what a lot of this guy called Corey Good um, very recently would have been probably from 2015 to now, I'd say. What he's said about some of the technology, some of the Galactic Federation kind of things. He talks about um, species living inside of Earth. He talks about Earth being like a honeycomb. So it's like not actually dense. It would be dense in the middle, but like throughout it, it's not like a solid, you know, it's got like pockets and gaps and there's underground cities and there's cities in Antarctica and there's remains in Antarctica and then it ties into fucking Mars and it ties into when the earth used to be one big, like a bigger thing and then it exploded and now that's why there's like an asteroid bell and bro, it's, it, there's so much to it. We can't really give it 
to everybody all at once. So this conspiratorium... Welcome to part 72 yeah, of fucking like, UFO. And by that point, people are going to be like, fuck, they started at fucking Area 51 and now yeah. they're talking about fucking... Area 720. Area, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention S4. Or is that more of like a Lazar That's thing? That's the Lazar yeah, thing. Cool, so, cool, yeah, cool, cool. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Killer. All right, well, let's well, wrap it up here. Thank you for a fantastic part one. Thank you very much, brother. We'll uh, talk to everyone soon. Peace and love. Peace out.